Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Bollet. As always, a very somber and sullen Christian Bollet is a, a tough day on the Tell It Abs It Is podcast. I'd have a moment of silence, but that's not very good for an audio medium. So I'm just going to let Christian break the news to everyone. If you haven't heard the the unspeakable tragedy that has taken place in Abs Nation today. Yeah, uh, it's a rough day for me. Um I've had some some very nice people reach out to me in this time of sorrow. Uh, I've also had some very mean people in my mentions just just roasting me. And what they don't understand, um, Curtis McDermott meant so much to this team and to me personally. And the Avs traded him today to the New Jersey Devils for a seventh-round pick and a player. Um, you texted me this. I had to do a double-take. I was shocked. I was hurting. And it just reminds me how stupid it is to get attached to players who play for your favorite team because in the blink of an eye, they can be gone. And it was a great three and a half years of Curtis McDermott uh, for the Colorado Avalanche. He started out as a player I hated, and then I quickly realized I was wrong. Became the biggest Curtis McDermott stand of all time. He scored five goals in his time as a member of the Colorado Avalanche all five, some of the greatest moments of my life. And I was there for the first against the Boston Bruins and our good friend, friend of the show, Steve Stager had one of his coworkers have his seats that night. And she immediately texted Steve saying, the guy sitting next to you is a lunatic. And all Steve said was, did Curtis McDermott score? And she said, yes. Um, I'm heartbroken. I wanted on record that, in every game that Curtis McDermott scored, the Abs were won the game. So five and zero, he was an integral part of a Stanley Cup championship team. He may not have played a game in those playoffs, but his <laughs> off ice important caveat. His off ice leadership was bar none, some of the best. Uh, his fights, it's a shame his last fight was with Nick Deloria, where he got knocked the fuck out. But in all seriousness, there is some sadness. But when you look at this in the big picture, it was a move the Avs had to make. And if I have to let this one fly away for the betterment of the team, I will. But I will never forget Curtis McDermott, ever. And now I can get his jersey for half price. That's the saving grace of it all. It's the end of an era in Colorado. But as you ended that conversation with uh, us, it was time. This was one where it just didn't make sense anymore. We've been talking about it all season where the Avs had made a bunch of moves for their depth this offseason, brought even in some some bigger guys to play fourth line roles. And Curtis McDermott this season played 20 something games by the end of it. He was averaging five minutes and five seconds a game. He played 29 games. He scored two goals, no assists, plus three goals were beautiful, though. You have to admit the one against the wild was the game winner. They were very pretty. They were beautiful goals. He was the first one in the the 8-2 to two win over the Ducks and the game winner against Minnesota. But at the end of the day, 
this was a guy who was making just slightly under a million dollars against the cap in a season where they're not accruing cap space. It's just flat cap for right now and trying to figure out how they can squeeze out every dollar that they can. And for a guy who'd played 29 games and that Jared Bednar just did not trust to be on the ice at any points playing five minutes a game on average, meaning he half the time played less than that. There was not much else that could be done at this point. I was still surprised that they trade him. That came through and I was like, shit, they actually went and did that. They actually did it. Because McDermott, as we've talked about, the reason why he's not put on waivers two years ago is because beloved locker room guy, huge glue guy in the locker room. And there was a reason why all five of those goals seemed so important. I don't think you ever saw a bigger reaction from anybody than when Curtis McDermott scored goals. But there comes a certain point where the money's tight, the performance isn't there. This is a business. Well, and the thing is, is I I think you brought it up perfect where he is an enforcer, but no one wants to fight him. But so his role is basically he's not like Ryan Reeves, where like people want to fight Ryan Reeves because he's really not that tough. No one wants to fight Curtis McDermott ever. And you bring in a guy like Ross Colton and Miles Wood and you already have Logan O'Connor, who's a scrapper and Chris Wagner is apparently a scrapper, too. They're going to fight those guys over Curtis McDermott because Curtis McDermott's a shit brick house of a man. and. It's it makes complete sense why they never put him on waivers because the return they got for him is actually insane. Like when you think about his stats, the return they got for him was shocking. A seventh round pick and a player for Curtis McDermott, who was like you said, is averaging five minutes of ice time, five goals in his three years. That's a big return for a guy who really doesn't offer much offensively or defensively. Yeah, you got a seventh round pick this year, which is Nashville's pick. Uh, we should say he went to New Jersey. I don't know if we ever. Met I did him. say that. I did. Okay. I said he, did he went to goes to the New Jersey Devils. No salary retained for a 2024 seventh round pick, which is Nashville's pick. And Sakar Bardakov, who was a seventh round pick in 2021, actually going up against Nikolai Kovalenko right now in the KHL playoffs. So maybe they'll end up on the same flight out to Colorado when all is said and done is Bardakov ever going to play a game for the Avs? My, I bet against that, if yep. I'm being totally honest. But still, at the end of the day, that's why McDermott never went on waivers. There was even a smidge of trade value there. And if he went on waivers, he would have been claimed. And then you don't get this, which is just bad asset management. And you look at their situation right now, where I don't think they wanted to do this. Like This wasn't something they'd be thrilled about doing. But again, like we mentioned, five minutes a game, hasn't produced anything offensively, moved to an entirely different position just because there you could not have him. That's where I think the writing was on the wall that this was the year he was going to get moved because his entire thing when he came from Seattle in the expansion trade was that he could play both positions, but the abs were pretty adamant about putting him at defense, and he struggled there. And then they moved him to forward, and his lack of foot speed and just – He's he should be a defenseman. He should be. But the problem with him being a defenseman is that he was the last line of defense a lot of the time, and that never worked. So at least as that's why I kind of felt the writing was on the wall for this year. Yeah, yeah, and you can't say they didn't give him every chance imaginable. They had him working tirelessly with the skills coach. They didn't give him enough chances, man. 
you know, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll give you that one because you're in pain, but he's worked entirely with the skills coaches all off season. They're putting him in games, playing him five minutes a night and he scored some nice goals, but outside of that, like, did he have any fights this year? No, he didn't have a single fight this year. Yeah, no. He hadn't fought since Deloria gave him that concussion. Was that Deloria or Lucic? It was Lucic. You're right. He yeah. was right. You're right. I was, was Calgary, from what I remember from last season, and yeah, no fights since then. The question just gets asked: What are we doing here at this point with a million dollars that's been sitting on your books for this is now the second season? and hasn't played a single playoff game in two years with the team just makes sense and now with the extra million dollars cleared you start to ask okay so you're clearing up some space for something for something wonder it's you do have to wonder and just to put a book like a final page in the curtis book because it'll probably be the last time i get to talk about him on an episode for a long time he did work harder than probably anyone else on the team. He was always at the rink early. Every optional practice, he was there. Uh, I think he spent his summers here where he would just fucking work out and we'll always have the memory of him with the cup. That video, I got to re-look at that video a hundred times today. That was great. But I do think New Jersey is going to – they may flip him. I don't know. I don't see a reason. I can't imagine him playing too much on a team that's trying to make a push for the playoffs. And he's a free agent after this year. So maybe he comes home for a league men deal next year. Maybe. maybe so. A two-way deal. Maybe so. We'll see what ultimately happens with Curtis McDermott. I mean, I met the Devils gave up two assets to get him. I imagine he's going to play for them. I think they they fancy themselves a soft team. At the moment, them being outside the playoffs and having a bunch of young guys on their team, they're trying to do anything they can at the moment to get past the Flyers and get into third in the in the Metro at the moment. I don't think McDermott's going to jumpstart anything, but maybe he'll be a guy that can help bring the room together for them. But McDermott had become expendable on the abs. Like Chris Wagner had a fight against Chicago yesterday. Logan O'Connor's a big scrapper. Even the guys at the top, McKinnon's not afraid to throw down. Josh Manson's not going to be afraid to throw down. Miko Rantan will will spar with you if you give him enough of a reason. Like they shouldn't be. But no. this team, they they outgrew their babysitter. Like they exactly. did. That's the point that when he first came to this team, they needed a babysitter. And now you look at the additions they've made over the past three years. They don't need it anymore. Right. This is a an older, mature team that has won and having a million dollars for a guy who is kind of like a nuclear deterrence, kind of, where just you weren't seeing the fights from him anymore. There wasn't really much protection going on. There just wasn't any point to this. When do the Devils play the Rangers next? Not soon enough, I imagine. Yeah, because Curtis versus Matt Rempe, Matt Rempe is going to be sick. That would be March 11th. In so Madison that, Square Garden. Oh, yeah, that fight's going to kick ass. And they play again on the third, and who knows, maybe again in the playoffs. That that fight's going to kick ass. Yeah, you know, you know they're fighting at that yes, point. 100%. 100%. I can't wait for that fight. But like you mentioned, they cleared about a million dollars. They have, what do we say, 2.5, 2.6 now to use yeah. of LTIR? Right now of LTIR, the Avalanche have... Okay, this is not really clear, and... Why? Because Cap Friendly took me to the wrong page. They have about 2.29 
million dollars in cap space, which allows them to do some things. Yep. And it opens the door for third team retention on a guy like Adam Henrique without having to move a guy off of their roster right now. If there's anything that this move is kind of telling me is I don't think they're trying to move Ryan Johansson at the moment because this is a move that is very much trying to nickel and dime, squeeze as much as you can out of it. I don't think you do this and Ryan Johansson. I think you eventually Chris Wagner goes on waivers and that clears up another couple million if they do end up getting another center. So that's ultimately about almost a million and a half over that at that point that you're ultimately clearing without having to to trade Ryan Johansson. Because if you trade Ryan Johansson, that's $4 million off the right. books. There's no need to put McDermott in a trade or anything. You don't need to clear the cap room because you have $4 million bucks to play with. You can have about three extra forwards just chilling in the press box at that point. So I don't see that Johansson move coming. And honestly, the way he played in Chicago and Dallas on the fourth line – not that terrible. Like I just, I think that's something they're going to revisit in the off season. I, yeah. I, I think it's getting to the point now where it's probably, they don't feel comfortable with what they'd have to attach to get rid of Ryan Johansson. Right. right that's the thing. Cause you're looking, if like, just again, Adam Henry, who I think the abs are going to get, I think that's the guy. Just that news is going to break the second we hit end on this recording. Yeah, I imagine tomorrow, by the time you're listening to this, there could potentially be something on that front. But just using Adam Henrique for the sake of conversation, even still, I think he makes the most sense for this team. That's going to cost you a first. Bare minimum. Probably more because teams like the Rangers and the Bruins are also going to be offering a first. So you're going to have to find a way to differentiate yourself in that regard. But just for the sake of conversation, that's a first. And if you trade Johansson, that's probably bare minimum your 2026 second attached to that as well to clear $4 million for not just the rest of this season, but also next, which as we've seen with previous cap dump trades is not super cheap. So that's two assets right there. And if they can get away with Johansson on the fourth line, maybe playing with Zach Parisi and maybe Cogliano. And if he's just okay, and they can find a way to really save money, like even 75% or maybe even less than that on Adam Henrique or another center like that, then they can get away with that for a little while. I think you, because if you slow down Ryan Johansson and play him with older guys like Cogliano and Parisi, who... He doesn't look as slow. <laughs> right. You can actually see him keeping up with the play. The more methodical style maybe suits him a little more. So if you can get away with that, and get a better second line center, then I think that'll be fine. Honestly, yeah. I, I do think it's going to be Henrique. I, I'm just I don't know of any other centers that are available right now. Like I I thought I saw somewhere they were like the Abs are maybe sniffing around Trevor Zegras. I don't think the Abs want a super I, young kid. They, I don't think that makes sense. Want, like again, yeah. not in the, not right now. Like yeah. if Zegras is available in the off season, I think that's a conversation you have. I don't know if they right. do it, but I don't know if Zegras is really an Avs player. No, he doesn't strike, so he doesn't strike me he's, as he's, an Av. He's he's a little bit better version of Alex Newhook, and honestly, I think Newhook's probably right. a little bit better. Like if they're so, getting the second line center, they don't want any question marks attached. Right. But in terms of other centers available, the only other guy is Nick Dowd, which pending the result of this Caps game against the Flyers, which is two to one. The caps might not be selling at the deadline. And even then, Which Dowd suck. Yeah, I'll get into that later. But Dowd is not a second line center. He is a better version of Lars Eller, but 
even still not a guy you put anywhere close to your second line. And you're talking about Scott Lawton, who uh, in been the better off- since the All Star break. In the off season, I'd be I'd be down for that for a yeah. for a middle six guy, probably probably third line. Not right now. Not no. super into that right now. I know he has ten points in his last ten games or something like that, but he's been a train wreck this season. Yeah, and then another guy would be Alex Wenberg, who at half retained or just overall makes less than Adam Henrique and is a UFA at the end of the year. Could be a guy, and also a guy that McFarland worked with and drafted yeah. back in Columbus several years ago. Like there's there's options. They're not super sexy, but you need something. You, know, you need you need something. At the yeah. end of the day, like it just you can't go forward with the center depth that you have right now. Right. And it's it's the past couple of games it's been better. And that's the reason why the abs have won the past couple of games. But long term, you, you need a center. And I don't think there's a name that's floating around. Like there could be someone who we're not even talking about that gets dealt. I don't think that's gonna happen this year. I I just don't think there's gonna be that mystery player getting moved. It would be very funny if Claude Giroux got traded to the Avs after all these years. That would be funny. Very funny. But I don't think the Senators are going to move him. I think that's a next-year move for them. Yeah. And, like, if he's not a UFA, then... Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think, think doing that. I don't think they are. And he's from Ottawa, so that kind of makes sense. I don't know if there's going to be that sexy name, but if you can get a guy like Adam Henrique, which... You got to strike while the iron's hot because that dude is, he just had three points last night against uh, San Jose. If Boston and New York are after him, uh, it, you're going to have to pull that trigger here yeah. pretty soon. I think that's a bidding war. You just have to win, honestly. Yeah. Like, I know the Avs don't always have a ton of assets. The Bruins don't. The nope. Bruins have nothing to trade. The Rangers might have a couple of things that could be enticing. But for the Avs, Henrik is not a long-term solution. As much as we would like to have that be a thing, I just don't think that trade is there right now. This this trade deadline, that's an off-season thing. Henrik checks a lot of boxes for this team. He plays in all situations. And most importantly, direct upgrade on Ryan Johansson on the yep. second line. You stick him beside Nachushkin and Druan or Lekkinen or maybe even Rantanen as we get later into the season, which I imagine is a big upgrade on Max Jones. I think Adam Henrique would be having a much better time. Because you have to remember, Adam Henrique's playing on the Ducks. Yeah. His numbers don't jump off the page, but he is still having a very, very good season. With well, he was, he was one that we had our eyes on last year. Yeah. I mean, knowing what that first-round pick last year turned into, which was Cal Ritchie, would you have done that trade last year? No. I think McFarland did the right thing last year. That team was not capable of winning a Stanley Cup last year. But if you had Henrik for this year, would you have done that? I mean, we wouldn't have spent the money on Johansson. I mean, granted, we didn't even really do anything. Yeah. I mean, Cal Ritchie seems like he's awesome. I, I think if you persuaded me either way, you could talk me into it. Yeah, you can definitely talk me into it. I mean, I was concerned that Henrik would kind of be doing what Johansson's doing this year if you traded for him last year, and he's been way better than even he was last year. So, and you like you said, if he gets besides Nachushkin, and God forbid this mysterious Swedish man returns to the lineup for the playoffs, that's a pretty deadly second line. Right. I mean, he's been playing. Henrik's been playing most of the season, I think, with like Max Jones and Jacob Silverberg, Brett Leeson. Like, okay players but they don't compare to what the abs offer in their top six and just again 
all situations guy. The Avs like guys that are capable on the penalty kill too. And Adam Henrique can definitely do all of those things. Not the fastest guy in the world, but for a stop gap in a season that I really don't think you can afford to just kick a can and be like, yeah, we're fine. I just don't think they can do that at all. It's the easy option, but I think it's the one that just makes the most sense. The one that makes the most sense. And Bednar talked about it. I forget. It might have been on the, the radio show he does with Altitude. But he was like, all of our forwards that kill penalties right now are wingers. None of them are centers. And Henrique. Yeah, you get Henrique. Or if it's Nick Dowd, like, that would be good too. You need a center on the penalty kill. So it. I think that move's probably going to be done before the weekend's over. It wouldn't shock me at all if we're hopping on here again tomorrow after the Predators game and doing the trade in this. But I, it, the, a move's coming. It, it's coming soon. We will not have to wait till the 10th for the dead. Is it the 10th or the 8th? It's next Friday. So it's the a week from today. So it's the 8th. Yeah. So I think a move will be made probably before the end of the weekend. Yeah. And we'll, we'll be talking about it, but you just look at this team, man, and the pieces that are coming back. And once again, if you listen to the show for the first time, two weeks ago, you probably think we're fucking lunatics and that we're bipolar fucks. But these past two games show you this team can win a Stanley cup. They can't. And the West is good, but they compete with the West. They can't. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's anyone's game right now. I still think Florida is the favorite for the Stanley cup, but that is a problem you don't face until the final. And right. if you get and to we the saw final, last year, we saw last year, Florida beat up Boston and Boston was the greatest regular season team of all time. The playoffs yeah. is a crapshoot. Yeah, it's a total crapshoot and you should be giving yourself the best chance you can get. And the first round pick I'm, I'm not super attached to blow it into the sun, blow it into the sun. He had two last year and one of them turned into Cal Ritchie, who's already like the ranked the sixth best prospect outside of the NHL right now. Who's not directly affiliated with their organization, which considering the attitude around him when we drafted him, it's pretty good. And then Guliev, who had two points in his first playoff game today in the KHL, and two solid picks. So this first-round pick in a much shallower draft class, don't care about it. Winnipeg, it does make you kind of wonder, like, the app scouting department is clearly very good. They just haven't had an opportunity. Yeah, to they just haven't had chances to pick anybody. Yeah. Like, they're, they're obviously good. They're good at their jobs, but they just haven't had a chance to pick anybody. Yeah, that first-round pick could get blown into the sun. I also think 2025 could get blown into the sun. Yeah, I mean, we'll see where it all goes in time. But you look at the competition surrounding the Avs right now. Dallas, the Avs are 3-0 and on this season. They're good, but you can beat them. Winnipeg, they've beaten you twice this season. Was, was the first one in overtime? Am I remembering that correctly? Because all, all, all I remember is the second one where they shit-canned us. But no, we lost in regulation the first one. We gave up a goal late. Yes, that's, yeah, the late regulation goal. Yeah. See, almost overtime, but and then the other one, they, they blew us out pretty bad, but they're, they're not invincible. They, they aren't, I mean, you saw it last night against Dallas. If Hellebuck's not making saves, that team struggles. Yeah. And Hellebuck covers up a lot of issues on that team. I'm going to ask you a question and tell me if you make these trade. So if you trade one of the first for Henrique and something else, blah, 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 you get 75% retained on Henrique. Do you think Washington would just do Nick Dowd for a first round pick straight up 50% retained? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They they'll trade Dowd for a first. I mean, I don't know if Dowd's worth a first, so I think they'll do that, but I, I mean, I, I don't think not. he's worth the first, but if you can add and your centers are going to be McKinnon, Henry. Well, well, the thing is at that point you're trading Johansson because now you have right. five NHL centers. I think Washington would take him on. 
you'd have to entice them. Not it wouldn't just be Johansson and a first for Dowd. But it's four fifty percent retained. But if you're moving Johansson, do you even have to have fifty percent retained if you're getting seventy five percent retained? No, you don't. Right, like I don't think Washington says no to that to get a first round pick. Well, as it stands right now, it is two to two in Caps Flyers, which is very much determining who they're if they're going to be selling or buying at the deadline, and they don't have to move down. So if they think that, however far back they're going to be from Philly, if they actually do fuck around and win this game, they'd be at sixty five points. They'd be four points back of Philly with a game in hand. They're yeah, that sucks. Not, they're probably not That's, selling doubt at that point. But if you could do that and you roll out four centers of McKinnon, Henrique, third line, Ross Colton, and then fourth line, Nick Dowd, there's not a better group of centers in the NHL. Yeah, that's really enticing because Nick it Dowd is really good for a fourth line center. My he my is. money, the best fourth line center in the league. And then you throw him with Cogliano and Parisi, that fourth line is going to be a fucking menacing line. Or Kovalenko at that right. point. You've got, you've got so many. You're you're talking me into it for sure. But to throw a next year first, at very least, it's not just a rental. Yeah, I'd agree. So we'll have to see. It it's promises to be a crazy week. Next Friday will probably be boring as hell. But I imagine next week is going to be awesome. And yeah, I imagine next week... I don't even know if there is a schedule. Like we're going to plan to record on Monday and Friday after the trade deadline. There's going to be an episode where we have an emergency pod talking about one of the deals and we're just going to have to figure it out from there. Cause it's like, we might be back tomorrow. Like if, I wouldn't if, a, be Henrique deal, if a Henrique deal happens tomorrow, then we're just going to jump back on the, the you moment. know exactly what's going to happen. We're going to finish recording. We'll go eat dinner. We'll be in bed. And then we'll get the Elliot Friedman thing at like midnight, my time, 2 a.m. Your time and be like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. We got to do this. But I mean, I don't say that in a bad way. Like, fuck. Because we love doing this. But it's just like, damn, I was ready for bed. Took my sleep medicine and all that stuff. But it's going to be a fun week, man. I cannot wait to see what this team does. Because it. These past two games, they look like the best team in in the Western Conference. Granted, one of them was against Chicago, one against Dallas on the second half back-to-back. But you watch this team, man. It's starting to come together a little bit. Yeah, like, yeah, Dallas on the second half of a back-to-back. Yeah, you played Chicago, who outside of Bedard is an AHL team. You got the results you were supposed to get. Uh, we already talked about Dallas last episode. You beat them five to one. And then you go up against Chicago in Chicago. It, it's a road game where the abs have not been good. And they shut him out. Five oh, Eustace on in his first career shutout. Finally, something goes his way. He his absolutely way. deserved it. And he he was great, too. Like, it wasn't just, oh, he played Chicago. Like, he, he had a couple of saves. He had a couple of saves. And himself I, one. I think we can put aside the backup goaltender for the rest yeah. of the year. I think that officially put it to bed. Like, yeah, it was he had two good performances that ultimately ended up as losses. I think there was still like a question. You've got like six games left of him the entire season. Flurry's not getting traded out of Minnesota. They already made that clear that they're keeping him. There's just not really a guy I'm willing to give up assets for that you can tell me with complete certainty is going to be better than Yusuf Sonnen for at least six games. Right. That, long long term, different story. But for the rest of the season. He's riding a wave right now. 
I'm fine with it. I'm perfectly fine with it. Just let it run, keep the assets, and spend it on something else. Spend on something else. And Ivan Prostov won the AHL Goalie of the Month. Eight yeah, no Player of the Month, point, even. Yeah, 1.35 goals against that. Like, he was phenomenal in there. Yeah. So if he ever comes back up, you know he's going to have some confidence. He will be back up because they will carry three goaltenders in the playoffs. But I, I feel good with where the backup goaltender situation is now. I I do too. I mean, because with Prozvatov, I think the main problem was the guy hadn't played hockey. Right. Because ever since his last game with the Coyotes, he hadn't played pretty much up until that first regular season game with the Avs and then played like four more the rest of the way. The reason he went down to the AHL was to get him some games so the guy can stop sitting in the press box. And it has worked wonders where now – you bring him back up, is he going to be that in the NHL? No. I imagine not, but he's going to be way better than the last time we saw him. So now you have Ananen, who's already proven to be a guy who can handle NHL games. Who's Against up, good up, teams. Two playoff teams in Tampa and Detroit got left out to dry in both of those. And even then, gave up the couple in Tampa, only gave up two in Detroit, one in overtime, and then pulls a shutout against Chicago, against competition he's well familiar with, with a lot of AHL players on that team but now you've got Georgiev who's your starter and two backups in Georgiev or not Georgiev in Prozvatov and Anadin which considering the situation we had back in January pretty good pretty solid I Yusuf Anadin was great in this game against Chicago the first period really decided the game because once he made those big saves didn't let Chicago get an early lead because Chicago actually played pretty decent the first period like they they had some chances they had some zone time and they were constantly throwing out Bedard against Jack Johnson and Bo Byram. And that's why I think Bednar switched up the defensive pairs for majority of that first period. But Anand made some big saves. The Avs get a late goal from Zach Parisi set up by fucking Jack Johnson. <laughs> like this, this is a play Jack Johnson we haven't seen him make since he was like 23. Uh, a great two-on-one to Parisi. Parisi gets his first. And you knew once they scored that one, like, okay, now, now we're ready to get rolling. Yeah, and Jack Johnson, I mean, for the last few weeks, he's been unrecognizable. Great, man. He's been fantastic. It's, he's been like siphoning Kale McCarr's energy. Right. It explains why Kale's been a little under the weather lately, and Jack's been so good. He's leading a rush on this play. He's breaking up Connor Bedard. Like, who the hell is this guy? And can he stay that way the rest of the year? Probably not, but... He's doing exactly what he's done the previous two seasons with the Avs. He's looked really good in the regular season. The playoffs, I don't know if I'm Jared Bednar. I know he's sick. He, he missed more or skate today. It might not be the worst idea to give him some off games uh, just so you can keep him fresh for the playoffs. Because I think what happens is he, he just runs out of steam, man. Like he's 38 years old. He just runs out of steam as the playoffs go. So I'm, I'm interested to see what they do with him. But he, he's been nothing short of fantastic these past two, three weeks. I mean, like, you just look at that goal itself. I mean, he takes the puck off of Connor Bedard okay. and then pulls off a no-look pass to Parisi on a two-on-one where he's leading the rush. Yep. What? My favorite thing was when ESPN was like, Carl's defenseman, they just always jump over the play, and the first one to do it is Jack Johnson. That's yeah, Jack Johnson who does it. And it's it's such an amazing thing that you're telling me in the year 2024 – Zach Parisi, Jack Johnson, and Ryan Johansson are helping the Avs win games right now. Yeah, I, I it's saw AJ. Hilarious statement. I was like, it's yeah. crazy. Is that the oldest goal ever scored by Avs players combined age? It might be. 
I think Zach Parise is the oldest player to ever score here. I think that was a thing from yesterday. Yeah, so that might be the oldest like goal and primary assist by players. That's a combined what seventy-seven years old. Yeah, it's not young. <laughs> it's not young, but that was really the momentum shifter in the game. Uh, and after that, the Avs really just kind of cruised. And second period, you get a goal from Ross Colton on. Terrible defense by Chicago. I, I can't believe he, Ross Colton had, what, three chances in front of the net to score? Yeah. And the Avs get a power play goal out of it, but that power play was okay. Um, give him 2 nothing lead. Third one. We, we, we'll talk about this because the line of Ryan Johansson, Zach Parisi, and Jonathan Drouin was great in this game. They were arguably the best line the Avs had all night. They looked really good. Jonathan Drouin, I had some fears. Uh, you can listen to in the last episode of him playing with Ryan Johansson. His play hasn't dropped too much from leaving Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen. And Zach Parisi is just kind of the hound. And they connect on just a beautiful goal. It was originally Ryan Johansson's. Ends up going to Zach Parisi. He gets his first two-goal game. That line created so many chances. The fact they only ended up with two goals is probably underselling how good they were. Yeah, I mean, they looked great. In that game, Jonathan drew it. I mean, it's just, he's comfortable. We've said probably since December, he's gotten over the new system and everything and the, the culture shock of not being in Montreal anymore and being a place where he can like be free and happy. And he's on a team that he likes being on and he's happy to help out wherever he can. And with Johansson and drew or or uh, Parisi, the thing about Zach Parisi is he just works so hard. He's a dog. He, he's a, such a smart player. That's why Zach Parisi is still in the NHL and why he got signed by the Avs is because he has a hockey IQ that just not a lot of people in the league have. Even the elite of the, the elite don't have the same puck sense that Zach Parisi has. That's what makes him work so well on this team. And Ryan Johansson getting himself a little bit of a resurgence right at the right time, right before the trade deadline where you don't feel like he needs to be dumped, can't be on the second line. But you've seen for the first time, there is something that works with him that you were able to get something out of. And again, this is Chicago, but you are going up against not great players. So it's good to see a line like that fucking destroy them. It was good. And I I was laughing because... I don't know why on Twitter I saw it, they showed the USA versus Canada game in Vancouver and you just watch it. The USA's goal. It's like, Oh, Zach Parisi scores it. Joe Pavelski sets it up. Patrick Kane's on the ice. And then who's the one guy who's not on the team or an NHL Jamie Langenburner. <laughs> When's the last time you heard that name? And it's just crazy. to think after 14 years that three of those guys are still in the league and two of them are very effective players. Yeah. Still. Yeah. And it comes down to that. Like Zach Parisi, like we said, he just has a skill set that's going to stick around for a long time, and he's going to be a big help on the team the rest of the season. Big help. And like you said with Ryan Johansson, man, this has been like two solid weeks of games where you're like, okay, Ryan Joe, like this isn't yeah terrible. Serviceable. Yeah. That's like, yeah, it's not worth $4 million. He's not going to be on this team next season, but I think he's earned himself the 4C after the trade deadline, after they go and get another 2C where they can put – Cogliano with him, keep Parisi with him, see what they've got when Kobalenko comes over with that. Like, is it ideal? Absolutely not. But you you take what you get at this point. If you're and if you're like I said earlier, if you're saving money on your second line center to the point where you can negate the four million dollars for right now, that's not a big deal. You yeah, 
we get over it. Hey everybody, hope you've been enjoying this episode so far, interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. We know hockey games move fast, but with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than anything happening on the ice. This week, new customers can bet 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. The season is heating up for the Avalanche as they're past the All-Star break and getting closer to the playoffs every single day. So if you want to get yourself even more invested as the season reaches the home stretch, head to DraftKings Sportsbook now. And again, that's just 5 bucks, and you can get 200 instantly in bonus bets. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Again, new customers bet just 5 bucks on the NHL and 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. If you've got a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. Now, back to the episode you get over it and they were great in this game and they deserved to be great because they were playing against shitty chicago and i still just go back to the point with chicago with this it fucking sucks that connor bedard's on that team because connor bedard is fucking awesome man and espn just highlighting him every time he was on the ice very funny yeah that was that was just kind of silly like i (laughs) i get it i get what they're trying to do they haven't really marketed a star since like Ovechkin and Crosby, they've done a pretty fucking awful job at doing it over the last 15 years. And they're trying to set the foundation for the casual fan to know who Connor Bedard is. I give them credit for that. The name thing above him, I thought was just a little silly. And it doesn't make sense because if you know anything about hockey, like he's the one in a bubble because <laughs> he broke his jaw like less than a month and a half ago. Right. But also, this is a game with Nathan McKinnon in it. Right. You know, the guy who is one of the leaders for the Art Ross and is going to be a finalist at very least for the Hart Trophy, one of the best players in the world. Maybe you should have it for both of them. And also that other guy, Kale McCarr. One of the they best did. I, the I think they were reading online because after the first period, they stopped doing it as much. And then McKinnon started to get it. And it's like, this just, just don't do it. Just don't put this on there. Like, we're good. It's just the kind of thing where it's like, okay, Connor Bedard's going to win the Calder this year. And they're, they've been advertising that. I thought it was also weird that they didn't advertise McKinnon as a Hart finalist. They, they did. They, no, they, they advertised him as a Hart Ross finalist. Which oh, I, I didn't. Oh, oh you're right. Because yeah. they had him at like plus 200 to win the Hart Ross. Right. Then like, like it's technically true. But I don't know. The, the wording on that confused me a little bit. Yeah. It's like, wouldn't you want to market this as one of the best players in the world who could win MVP versus the rookie of the year. I don't know. I thought that was confusing. I don't know why they went with with that language and went full hog on Bedard when you have a guy like Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr on the other side. Like, Not that I'm complaining about what they're doing with Bedard because I do get it, but they go too hard with it. Whereas like, you got to market both sides. Got to market both sides. And I was just – that game was a perfect example of why the abs are not playing Chicago in the winter classic. Right. <laughs> that was a perfect example of why the NHL was like, yeah, we, we can't have Bedard get embarrassed like this. And Chicago is dreadful. Like without him, they could be one of the worst teams of all time. He is, he is the only thing stopping them really from being the worst team ever. 
They are dreadful. This is not a good hockey team by any stretch of the imagination. God bless Peter Morazic. He honestly should get Norris consideration because he is a 908 on this team. God bless his soul. He's (laughs) He's played 42 games. He has lost 23 of them and won 13. I'd give him a fifth place vote for the Norris. They're probably pissed he's playing this well, man. Not they're really. They're busy. last. They're in last. Yeah, but they could be even more in last. <laughs> like, yeah, that's just... good. They got two games in hand. Chicago or uh, San Jose has two games in hand on them. So it's just going to piss me off so much when they end up with Macklin Celebrini. If that and, okay, and... if that happens, shut it down. Like that's that's, that's stupid. That's ridiculous. <laughs> that team's going to be fucking stacked and have cap space galore. So Chicago, you're in good hands with Connor Bedard. Um, yeah, it's just been it's been rough. So I don't know. Chicago is just a dreadful, dreadful hockey team. I actually thought Seth Jones was kind of good in that game last night, which is a low bar for yeah, Seth it's Jones. a low bar. But I mean, defensively, I thought the Avs did everything they needed to do. They zeroed in on Connor Bedard. He really only had that one shot in the game yeah. that Ananen was able to get from distance, and they did not make life easy for him. I mean, Josh Manson got away with a pretty egregious slash on his wrist. Yeah, like it's like, like that's a penalty, but also the video's cut that doesn't show Bedard cross-checking him before yeah. the play and all that. Not that I'm justifying what Manson did, but also there's a missing bit of context there. Like that's not just Josh Manson going up to an 18-year-old and slashing yeah. him on the wrist. Like he's he's like, hey, kid, not here, not, not here, movie, kind not of now. thing. Don't yeah. think that should happen. If I'm Ahead of, if I'm in, in charge of player safety, I don't know if I suspend him, but you let him know you saw that and you give him a fine kind of thing. Yeah. Like, no, come on. It was it was very funny. But uh, in the second period, Devontae gets a goal, which was uh, – Kim Carr was actually shooting the puck a lot last night. I think he wanted a goal really bad, and he just couldn't get – he ends up with two points, but he doesn't end up getting the goal. Devontae gets it. And then that third period was just – that entire third period for me was just no one get hurt. No one block a shot. No one get hurt. No one do anything like that. Preserve the shutout for Eustace, and let's just get home. And then Nathan McKinnon decides, oh, I already have one point in that. Let me just get to an even 100 for the uh, year and just beats Morazic clean. Gives the abs a 5 nothing win. And back-to-back seasons with Nathan McKinnon at 100 points. He did yep. it 61 games, which is just crazy. First player in abs history to have consecutive 100-point seasons, which is really crazy when you think about the amount with of how many players. Hall Famers have played for this organization? Yeah. Yeah, no consecutive 100-point seasons is ridiculous. And I think the value of a 100-point season has been lost over the last couple of years. Oh, where, <laughs> yeah, McDavid ruined it for everyone, where he just regularly started eclipsing 100 points. Like in the the shortened season when he did it in like 40 or whatever games, where sure. he had 100 points, just kind of broke it for everyone. So like now you have McKinnon and Kucherov hitting 100 points before March, and no one even blinks anymore. It's like, yeah, okay, big deal. McDavid doesn't miss six games. He's already there anyway. Not a big deal. It's it's brutal. So, I mean, back-to-back seasons, he's, he's kind of in a slump right now, too, when you look at like for what he's doing for the whole year. Oh, yeah, his slump of, yeah, I mean, he had three straight games without a point earlier yeah. in the month, and since then has only had two games with a point. The rest have been multi-point games. Yeah, that's a slump for Nathan McKinnon I mean, this Jesus. year. And I forget what they said on the broadcast, but – in games, he scores a point in the abs have one. Like, I can't remember the exact stat, but it was just absurd how many points they get when Nathan McKinnon scores. And that a goal of- or a point because there's not a lot of games where he doesn't have a point. I think it was goals. Yeah. 
That would so, make sense. You know, the NHL.com used to have that. They used to have that split on there. Yeah. They don't anymore, which should not surprise anybody because they just cannot get out of their own goddamn way when it comes to okay. this stuff. But I would have loved to be able to tell you that stat, but I don't have it anymore. Yeah. So regardless, McKinnon, second straight season with 100 points, top of the ballot for the heart on mine, at least. I'm going to be very pissed when he's not even a finalist. I'm already prepping myself for that. Not even that he's not going to win. He's not going to make the ballot. I'm telling you that right now. With I would be shocked. Kucherov is going to win the Art Ross, I imagine, unless he gets hurt or McKinnon goes on an absolutely ridiculous streak to catch him and pass him. McDavid is going to at least come close to winning it, maybe even pass McKinnon by the end of the season. Hopefully not. And Matthews is going to score 70. So that's two Canadian superstars right there. And you're going to have the fallacy that Matthews has to win the heart if he scores 70 goals. And if McDavid comes close to the Art Ross, there's going to be the fallacy that he has to be voted for. And Kucherov, the fallacy if he won the Art Ross, so he has to get it, they're going to leave McKinnon off. I'm telling you this right now. He's going to be, he's going to have a ton of second and third place votes, not enough first. He's not going to make the ballot. We've been talking about for a couple of weeks now. I completely agree with you. I think that's what's going to happen. And Matthews is going to finish with like 110 points with 70 goals, which that shouldn't be a thing (laughs) if you have a 70 goals you should minimum be at 120 points right or how many assists does he have right now on the season he has 53 goals i mean good for him that's absolutely ridiculous but he's got 25 assists on the season (laughs) and he has to go on a tear to get to 100 man he can score 70 goals and not have 100 points he's four points behind nylander right now (laughs) How can you win the heart if you're not le- even leading your own team in points? Make it make sense, man. I, I it's just he's going to score seventy, and that's he has. Game. And you know what? Here's an even crazier one. He has the same amount of game-winning goals as Nylander. They both have <laughs> seven of fifty-three goals. Seven of them are game winners. <laughs> We're not going to turn this into an Austin Matthews trash fest, but it no, is. we'll we'll save that for when the ballot gets announced and McKinnon's yeah. not on it. Yeah. So, but Nathan McKinnon, he has a chance to break the abs and Nordiques record for most points in a season held by Peter Stastny, I believe, at 136. I believe so. He has a chance. He has a chance. He's going to have to go on a nice little heater for the last 22 games, but he he's at least going to get to 120. At least. I, I would not count him out at all. No. I mean, this is Nathan McKinnon's time to shine. This is usually when he really kicks into high gear. So, 139 points. So he needs 40 more points before the end of the season. That's going to be tough. That's, That's going to be real close tough. to two points a game. Yeah. I don't think for McKinnon is that's kind of what he's been doing for the it's most. It's not part. impossible. I mean, yeah. if he has another game where he gets five points, like that's going to chip away, which you look at the teams they have to play, that could happen. So it could, it could be there. But if he goes an entire regular season or home regular season, and breaks Wayne Gretzky's record for most consecutive points at home, there shouldn't be a question about it that he is the Hart Trophy winner. Yeah, that, but, like That's an untouchable record. You genuinely right. have to be perfect at home. Right. 40 games, which I imagine was the home games at the Probably. time in a season. He just scored in every home game. Now it's 41. The only way to break that record is to be absolutely perfect at home. Kind of thing. Like That is an invincible record it will be invincible. So we'll have to see. So a long ways to go, but Nathan McKinnon quietly had two points last night and the Avs got a pretty easy win, which they needed. I know I talked about on the last show against Chicago where 
I had some fears going into that game, but those fears were gone after the first period. It was just easy. You can't take any win and any points for granted. This was a team two months ago that went on the road to Chicago and lost with Val Nachushkin in the lineup. Yep. You can't take those points for granted. You can't take for granted that it was easy, 5 nothing win, no troubles. They made a bad team in Chicago, looked like they were completely outmatched because we saw they had the exact opposite happen last time they were in Chicago. So you have to take every have to take everything in stride. And yes, Dallas on the second half of a back-to-back, you made them look like they were on the second half of a back-to-back. And now, for the first time since the All-Star break, there is a little bit of good vibe surrounding this team right now. It's been a, a lot of vibe. negativity, a lot of bad vibes. Now you have an opportunity to continue it against Nashville on Saturday or today by the time you're listening to this who's on a real hot streak right now, yes. cannot count them out of that game whatsoever. Nashville Predators have won seven games in a row, which is not nothing. But if you can do that, knock them off at home in a building where I think they've been waiting for a long time to get this game back since November, there's a, there's a chance here to turn this into a win streak and really start turning this around. Yeah, the, this game's all of a sudden with how Nashville's playing become a very tough game. Saros looks good in that. The Predators are just scoring goals, and Barry Trotz is pissed because now if he tries to sell, he'll probably be murdered by his fan base. But at the same time, this team's not going to win Stanley Cup, but they're, what, seven points clear for the last wildcard spot right now? I mean, honestly, if you're Trotz, you might have enough of a lead that you can sell and still make the playoffs. True. Because they they are seven points up on Calgary right now for the final wildcard spot and St. Louis and Seattle, and they're eight points up. On Minnesota, who I believe they just kicked, yeah, they just kicked the shit out of them six to one. Yep. So that game's going to be crazy. I think we're going to see a Nathan McKinnon masterclass in this game. I right. really it, do. it reeks of one, doesn't it? I'm feeling yeah. a very good game from Nathan. I'm McKinnon. Feeling like three points minimum in this game. Yeah, I'm and... feeling two goals and assist and like a real dagger of a goal. I think this is going to be a tough game. It's Nashville going to be very tough. Going to give you a really hard fight. I think McKinnon is going to have the kind of performance that Nashville just looks at and goes, what do you do? Like you, you, shrug, your, you shrug your shoulders and you move on yeah. kind of thing. Where like, Georgia, I know he'll be going up against Ryan O'Reilly most of the night, but I do think that McKinnon's going to have a good game. And I think they win it in overtime like 4-3. I also have 4-3. to three. I just have it in regulation. But I think it's going to be a, a tough game. If Georgiev is able to, to hold the fort and give them enough of a chance to win, I th- they've got enough momentum right now that I think they're out of their own heads. They've seen a couple go through the hoop. They won one on the road. And if they can get this one done on the road too and really start to put to bed those those road concerns in a, in a tough building like Nashville with a lot of momentum right now, they're going to start feeling pretty good about themselves. I think there's going to be a lot there for them in this game. And if they can just get through this, this last game without Val, because I, I think he'll be back back when they're at home against Chicago or maybe against Detroit later that week, then things can really start to turn around. They can really start to turn around. And like we said, I think on last Saturday's episode, if you can find a way to beat Nashville and really your toughest game after that is Detroit, you could be going on a nice little five-game win streak here. Yeah. Nice little five-game win streak. Because coming up, you have obviously Nashville and Chicago, then Wednesday, Detroit, Friday, Minnesota, a week from today. Then you have a four-game road trip. Calgary, Vancouver, Edmonton, St. Louis, those are all tough games. You want to feel good about yourself going into that. And this is your last road game before that. If you can have two straight road wins before you start doing that, you're going to feel good. 
Dude, that Edmonton game on the 16th is going to kick so much ass. Gonna that game's going to be appointment watch TV. Yeah, this is like, the first time we played Edmonton all year. It's been almost a year since we last played the Oilers. Yeah, that game's going to kick ass. I can't wait for that. That game's going to rule. But I do think the Avs find a way to get it done against Nashville. They yeah. find a way. They, they, they've just carried themselves a little differently since Toronto. Against Dallas, they had one breakdown early. And then they just haven't had any sense. And they've gotten good goaltending. They've gotten good depth, goal support, and stuff from their stars. And, you know, I also want to give a shout-out to Miko Rantanen against Chicago because he doesn't end up with a goal in the game, but he looked a lot more locked in in this game. And he looked better earlier in the week against Dallas as well, where it's just he looks like less of a passenger. And the goals are going to to follow suit for him. He hit the post in the Chicago game, if I remember right. Yeah. Like the, the goals are going to go in for him. If he's playing the way he did, which is just locked in, just there, present in the moment and trying, it's going to happen for him. And that's going to be a very important thing as we get down the stretch into some very important games. Well, in this game against Nashville too, if they win this one, you could kind of put to bed Nashville catching you. I don't think they will, but that would put them 11 points back with the same number of games played. Like you can pretty much lock yourself into a top three seed. I'm not saying the abs are going to free fall from that, but curb Nashville's momentum a little bit and just kind of lock yourself into a top three. Season. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Cause if you lose that game, all of a sudden it's seven points, which right. is a tough climb, but it's not impossible. Not impossible. But like 11, just, 11's a lot. Yeah. 11's pretty tough. And also looking at the, the race directly in front of you, the result we wanted, we got in Dallas, Winnipeg, Dallas took care of them pretty handily. Yep. And so Winnipeg loses a game in hand. You beat Dallas the game before, so you gained ground on both of them. You're tied with Winnipeg. They have three games in hand now instead of four, and you're two points behind Dallas with a game in hand. This is the first time all year I feel like the Avs have a game in hand on someone. I know, for the <laughs> first time crazy. seemingly in forever, and that game in hand was the back-to-back for Dallas. Right. And so the abs they're not they're far from done with this as bad as they were on the road trip in february and how much they struggled they didn't really fall behind winnipeg and dallas really didn't take advantage of the abs weakness winnipeg kind of did they strung together some nice little streaks here but it wasn't enough to really pull away from the pack and if the abs are good down the stretch they're going to win this division yeah agreed agreed so i feel good and you look at this what this team's adding with anachushkin a second line center and the big fruit laying, hanging over everyone's head is if Val Nichu- or excuse me, um, if Gabe Landeskog can come back, this team is fucking loaded, man. Yeah, like they're they are good now. That it seems like they've kind of figured it out a little bit and are just playing more confidently and more to their system. They're gonna be tough to beat. Everyone's gonna be tough to beat in the West. But it's like I said, you've beaten Dallas three times this year. Two of them. Pretty embarrassingly so. And even the last one, pretty embarrassingly too. They handled them pretty badly. And Winnipeg has beaten you both times, but three games is not going to be enough sample size before the end of the season to really claim much of anything. And those those games were two, three months ago at this point. Those are not at all the same teams anymore. And they're not invincible. Like they've shown some weaknesses when uh, Hellebuck hasn't been his best. And obviously Vancouver has not been good lately. They've lost a lot of games over the last little bit. They've only won one game, I believe, out of their last seven or eight, and it was an overtime win against Boston. And Vegas has just been okay lately. Edmonton, since their winning streak has been snapped, has just been okay. 
there's not really a team that you look at and go, oof, scary, real, real top contender in the West. There's really not a reason why it can't be the abs. Right. They've been there. They've done that. They have the guys. I've said it probably a million times since December. You just get them a little bit of help, just a little bit closer. And I, I think they'll be the favorites. And even with Dallas trading for, for Chris Tanev, it's a good deal for them. We called it exactly. That was just a deal that made sense for Dallas to go make with the state of their defense. Tanev's good, but he's not like single-handedly changing anything for them. No, and I was surprised the return. Only a second-round pick I thought yeah. was a little surprising. Yeah, uh, second, a, second, a third, and a guy, Artem Grushnikov. Yeah, I imagine Dallas isn't done yet because they still have their first-round pick. So they'll probably add another – I don't know if they need another forward, but they'll probably try and get another D-man. Uh, that helps them tremendously because their defense is really the only weakness of this team. And Dallas is scary, but again, Ottinger has just been okay this year. So I'm not thinking they're in unbeatable. You just make a couple moves and this team will be set. Just yeah. make a couple moves. Like- with Dallas, like I saw the overreaction right away that Dallas is the team to beat in the West because they got Tanev. I see Tanev as a necessity for them, not an addition. Yeah. Like they needed Tanev to stabilize their back end with like because Ryan Suter's playing way too much. Right. Johnny Hockenpah's okay. They're getting a lot of the Thomas Harley right now. Who knows if that's going to be sustainable in the playoffs? Essa Lindell is fine. Merrill Heiskinen's good, easily their best defenseman, but he's a tier below the best guys in the league right. Tanev was they needed him it was not just like oh they're adding Tanev to this roster it's like no they needed Tanev to stabilize so I'm not I'm not scared of the move Dallas made it just it makes them better they lose four to one instead of five to one yeah <laughs> exactly exactly but I don't know if I have anything else about the abs uh I'm still in mourning uh over my dear departed king leaving the kingdom but I think we're ready to move on to the NHL unless you got any other things going on. No, I mean, just looking at the, the KHL right now, Kovalenko, I think they won today over SKA. So we'll keep an eye on that series. If they end up winning, that's going to keep Kovalenko out of the NHL for a little while longer. It's, it's win-win either. He's getting good playoff experience or he gets to be here faster. So either way you're, you're winning. And Guliev had a very good game in his, his first playoff game. He had the goal, he had the assist, five shots on goal, and they took care of business today over in the KHL. So that's really all I've got in terms of updates on that. And that's all obviously courtesy of Evan. I did not yeah. watch any of these. The things. only guy who watches the KHL in Colorado is Evan Rule. But uh, yeah. yeah, I trust his opinion on it. And like you said, if Kovalenko comes over here and he's as long as he's healthy, that's all I care about. And it's just a big wild card. Like, I don't think he's going to change anything on this team, but he'll be a good bottom sixer who just brings a little bit of juice into the bottom six. Just a, just a little bit more depth. A little bit more depth. But we already talked about the TANF trade. Uh, there was the rumors yesterday about Elias Pedersen and the Canucks can't come to an agreement on a new contract extension, and there's actually a pretty good framework of a deal potentially to Carolina. Yeah. It sounded like they were pretty close on a deal to send Elias Pettersson to Carolina, which would have included, I believe, what did I send you? Seth Jarvis would have been in that deal. Marty Natchez. Marty Natchez. One of the two. I don't think it was both, but 
Yeah, it sounded like, based on the report from Elliot Friedman, according to multiple sources, the Vancouver Canucks and Carolina Hurricanes had discussions about Elias Patterson that advanced to a stage where both the Canucks and the player needed to make serious decisions about where their relationship was headed. Doesn't sound like that's happening anymore because no. the Canucks are trying to win a cup right now. And Pagnata reported that it was Natchez and Kakaniemi who were discussed from Carolina's end. If that happens for the Hurricanes, they win. Like they're just they're now the cup favorites if they're adding Elias Patterson. Yeah, to that they, they need a superstar. And yeah. it is kind of surprising that the Canucks haven't been able to come to an agreement with Pedersen, but also Pedersen, I think, is being a smart businessman because why would you sign right now when you could probably get more in the offseason? And also, like, why would Elias Pedersen be talking contract right now? Right. Or to your point, they're in the middle of a playoff push trying to win a cup right now. He's not gonna sit down and be like, I want nine million dollars right now he's worth more than that but. right he's worth more that's thing. he's worth more than that he's gonna try to win first like yeah they're gonna revisit it in the offseason he's not a ufa is he an rfa i'm pretty sure he's still an rfa I'm, i might be wrong about that now that you say that out loud i but. thought i thought yeah because that deal he signed took away all the rest of his rfa years so he is an rfa this year arbitration eligible but he can sign a one-year deal that would make him a ufa gotcha which i, I kind of could see him doing maybe Maybe I mean, it just kind of sounds like he doesn't like Vancouver all that much. Yeah, which is surprising. Maybe that's ultimately what it comes. I mean, is it that surprising? No. He's been there for a while at this point. This is this is the first year they've been good. There's yeah. been a lot of years where they haven't been where he's been here, and he's 25. Yeah, it feels like he's been in the league for so long. But yeah, if Carolina gets Elias Pedersen in the offseason, that team's loaded. Yeah, like it again. It all depends on what the Canucks are willing to do this offseason, it would be a very Vancouver thing. To any Canucks fans listening, I'm sorry that I'm going to point out what you are thinking already. It would be a very Canucks thing for them to have this season, this PDO bender. It crashes late. They hold on to the division. They lose to the Kings in the first round. Elias Pettersson's out the door next season. Lindholm doesn't re-sign. All of their defense walks out the door, and then they're just like a wild card contender, if that, next yeah. year. Yeah, we're already kind of seeing the crash a little bit. Like yeah. they got beat up pretty handily last night by the Kings. And in their first matchup of the season. Yeah, they got pretty beat up. I think they blew a late lead to Pittsburgh before that. Like that, yeah, they're kind of coming down to earth a little bit. And I still think what they did was the right thing to do. At the time when they made the Lindholm trade, it was the right thing to do. But yeah, they're kind of coming back down to earth a little bit. Yeah, I mean, then they've got a lead on everyone else in the Pacific. They're 10 points up on Vegas and 11 points up on Edmonton. Like, they really got to try to lose this lead. Right. I guess Edmonton has five games in hand on that. How is this yeah. happening? I don't fuck understand me. how this schedule works. But yeah, fuck if I know, man. Edmonton's yeah. just going to be playing a lot of hockey these last two months. Yeah, it's, yeah, you got to win your games in hand at the end of the day. But, like, it just throws everything off. When you look at the standings and there's a five game difference between Vancouver and Edmonton, he's like, Oh wow. They have an 11 point lead. They win those games. It's one point. Right. Right. It's exactly what it is. So Vancouver's coming back down to earth. Like you said, Edmonton's coming back down to earth. I'm trying to think like this next week in NHL hockey is going to be just absurd. There's going to be a lot of off ice stuff that happens and I can't wait for it. So there's, there's a lot going on right now. Like it's not a super interesting trade deadline in terms of players, but I think in terms of teams, it's a it's a lot more interesting. It is. It you is. It's a, a lot it's of teams. You got a lot of teams in very interesting spots where it's like the Pittsburghs, the Washingtons, the Islanders, the Devils, like the Blues of the world. They're close to the playoffs, but 
everyone kind of knows like they should be selling at the, at the point of their franchises right now. Like there's the rumor that Bushnevich is going to get traded before the trade deadline. And I know we just said it doesn't make sense for the Avs to get wingers, but God, Pavel Bushnevich on this team would be so good. He'd I'm not, not going to get my hopes up on that whatsoever. But even then, like with the Islanders, there's no talks on Brock Nelson, and I'm just speculating myself, but they'd get a lot for him. And if I was GM of the Avs, they'd get a lot from me from for Brock Nelson. I mean, the, the East is just such a crapshoot because, like, Pittsburgh has had – not a great year. Who they did they win last night? Or did, no, they lost two nothing to Seattle last night. Like woof. Yeah, they should they should be a playoff team. And if we go into the offseason and Crosby's like, I don't want to play, miss two straight years of the playoffs. He could ask to get traded to the Avs. He could. I, just, I just, he just doesn't strike me as the guy who's going to be like, we missed two years in a row. I'm leaving kind of guy after so many, like he just doesn't strike me as the he doesn't guy. strike me, but I'm saying there's a chance, man. There's, there's a chance. His production's it, still there. We don't have to justify how good Sidney Crosby is. Right. Like, yeah. It's Sidney Crosby. If he was ever on the market, you give up whatever it takes. Kind right. Of. And the, and he, I, like with the, he has a no movement clause. He decides where he goes. Right. That's the thing. Like, and I don't want to get anyone's hopes up that Crosby is even ever going to be in an Avs jersey. Like that's like a Joe Thornton, Patrick Marlowe kind of thing where it's like right. it's the end of his career. The contract is over. The Penguins are not only missing the playoffs, they're a lottery team kind of thing. I think that's what it would take where Crosby's like 41, 42 and is it, like they're just done at that point. Like I just I don't see it while he's still good. I'm just saying, man. If they just, two straight years, and he's going to be a point per game player still, and he knows he still has good hockey in him. He wants to play with his friend Nathan McKinnon. I'm just saying. I'd I would see it if he didn't have three cups. It's tough. I, I'm just I'm living in a dream world, man. Because I just also think, as for our friendship, it would just be the funniest arc of all time that you have to go from hating Sidney Crosby to he would be an integral part of your, your one of your, favorites. it would be a natural progression. I've gone from hating Sidney Crosby to respecting Sidney Crosby. If Sidney Crosby is an ab, I've made this promise multiple times. I will make it again. If Sidney Crosby ever plays for the avalanche, I will 100% get his Jersey a hundred. <laughs> and I will wear it. Every game I go to every game I watch, it will be my go-to. I will, a hundred percent make that promise in blood. It would just be funny. I'm just saying, I would love that. I would love that with all my heart, just because it's, I couldn't imagine me having to do that as a, there fan. is, there is no other situation. Cause he is literally the reason why you, you didn't have a happy childhood for a majority of your life. Yeah. Pretty big one. No, <laughs> no other reason, but he's legitimately the reason why your, your Alice Vetchen doesn't have four Stanley cups. Like, yeah. He's a legitimate reason why. He's a so, legitimate like demon. The fact that we beat him once and won a cup out of it allows me to appreciate him a little bit. True. Like I just, I hated this man so <laughs> much. It's like you are such a harbinger of suffering for me. Because like it, in a hypothetical world where the Caps don't win the cup in 2019, and he would hyper. I, mean, I am a bitter, spiteful, and hateful man. If that doesn't happen, <laughs> you'd be like. Fuck, I have to cheer for this fuckhead now to win another Stanley Cup? Like, oh, this would drive me crazy. But, yeah, I, I'm i just saying, there is a possibility where Sidney Crosby could ask out 
when the season ends if they miss the playoffs again because they got shut up by Philip Grubauer in that game. Yeah, and so, like in a game where they had some momentum, like yeah. they had a three-game win streak, a four-game point streak, and you get shut out against Seattle, which yeah. is a decent team. But if you're the Penguins, who are fighting for every single point, just can't happen. Can't happen. Can't happen. So, and then that, just get prepared, hockey fans. This next week's going to kick ass, and the next thing you know will be the playoffs. It's March. It's literally March right now. Yeah, it's like we're, we're, in, we're in the thick of it now. Every game means a lot. The trade deadline is about to happen. We're about to have the the full the full table set for the rest of the season, who the real contenders are, who's going all in. Like last year was kind of crazy with everyone in the East going all in and just pushing all their chips on the table. It kind of seems like that is going to it already has shifted to the West for the most part with yep. Winnipeg making their move, Vancouver making their move, and Dallas making I think their main move. I don't think Dallas is done, but I think that's their big move. And we'll see how the Avs respond. We'll see how the rest of the West responds. But I'm, if we've I'm learned just... anything, pushing your chips all in isn't necessarily the best thing to do either. Like look yeah. at Boston. They pushed all their chips in. Granted, they had to. It was the last dance for them. They lost in the first round to a team that did nothing at the trade like, deadline. You, you, can't, you can't judge a deal at the deadline. You judge it in the playoffs. Right. Because if you if you make a deal like the Avs did for Lekkinen and Manson, and they won, so they're great trades. And then you do what Boston did, and they made – what I thought were really good moves. They got Orlov, they got Hathaway, they got Bertuzzi, like good, solid, physical playoff players, and they were a goal away. But instead, they squandered the the best regular season of all time, and now you look back at that and go, wow, that was a whole waste of time. You look at the, what the Rangers did last year where they pushed all their chips into the table and didn't win a round. You, you judge these moves in the offseason when the regular season's done, and Florida, who didn't do shit, Went to the Stanley Cup final. It's how the sport works. When everyone pushes their chips into the table, no one does because now everyone's on the same playing field. Yep. Yep. So I can't wait for it. Uh, I don't think I have anything else for this episode, man, other than I'm fighting through a back injury and I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. It just wouldn't. It's the worst pain I've ever had in my life. Back stuff is tough. I'm sure I've talked about on the show the when I slipped my disc when I was in Colorado for the second round, like not nearly as bad as what you're dealing with right now, but it was just like a, just a constant pain I had to deal with for like a solid eight months kind of thing. I never saw. Dude, if this goes on for eight months, I, I no, my like I never got treated. I never did anything for it. It was just like I can't sit in the chair for more than thirty minutes. Yeah, I've been battling this entire podcast. Uh, luckily, I my dad brought over some like. Uh, like patches that help with like numbing. It's basically like an icy hot pad. Without that, I would have done this podcast from my bed. And that would have been a very funny visual if this was a video podcast, because you would have just seen a man laying in bed, staring at a computer screen with a microphone in his face. So I made it through the episode. I'm happy. Uh, just back problems. I wouldn't wish them on my worst enemy. You don't realize how important your back is uh, until you can't use it. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot of things with your body. Like, you know, when you have like a stuffy nose when you're sick yep. and you realize you don't appreciate breathing. Correct. Kind of you know what else? Another thing that I went through in the summer, your ribs. Mm. Oh, it's miserable. I don't know what I did to my ribs in the summer, but I was literally walking to my car one day and it felt like someone was just like grabbing them. Yeah. And just like squeezing them as hard as they can. And it makes you more appreciative of what pro athletes do and the injuries they play through because yeah. Probably if you're an NHL like, player, you know what I have. Like you're playing that next night. I can barely walk. Yeah, so. with a couple of cortisone shots in you. <laughs> yeah, I could barely walk. So it just makes you appreciate what pro athletes do because 
I'm not a pro athlete. I'm the farthest thing from a pro athlete. And this injury has put me out of commission for the past two days. Yeah. So yeah, this is getting old fun. I'm not even 30 yet. I found a gray hair, gray hair in my beard and my back hurts. I'm not even 30. Yeah. So, you know, the gray is going to be the only place or my beard's going to be the only place I find gray hairs when I'm older. It was That's very awesome. jarring. I'm just warning you when you do get, you're only 23. So, I mean, it's not hopefully. I'm, I'm 23 and bald, you know, so. Yeah. But when the gray hair hits you, you go, fuck, man. <laughs> like This is wild. Honestly, uh, I don't think I'd hate it. I think I'd look good with a little gray. You'd look more mature. You already look mature. You'd look like a dignified gentleman. But my hair is like dark brown. So the gray is very jarring to a man like me. But uh, yeah, other than that, thank God the abs are winning because I am a broken man at this point. Yeah, this Nashville, this Nashville game could be tough if they, yeah. if they don't pull it off for you. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'll be able to get off the couch for it. So <laughs> You might not anyway. <laughs> true, true. We'll see. But uh, I imagine I will see your face probably before the end of the weekend and we'll have to yeah. see I I've, I've just got a feeling that we're not going to make it to Monday with, yeah. the, with this team right now. And even if we do, probably pretty shortly after, maybe yeah. even Monday itself, if yep. it'll break right on that day if we're lucky enough but even still i imagine we'll be back here again sometime in the near future but until then that is going to do it for us on this edition of the tell it abs it is podcast on the hockey podcast network thank you all so very much for tuning in as always you can use promo code tell it abs it is on SeatGeek for 20 dollars off your first order of 50 dollars or more you want to follow us on twitter you can follow me at g young's nhl you can follow christian at christian underscore belay and you can follow the show at tell it abs it is but again thank you all so very much for tuning in and we will catch you all next time but until then let's go abs